0: To order today, visit one eight hundred flowers.com slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers.com slash tune in.
1: You twist turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Good afternoon and welcome to an On the Whistle Podcast. Today I'm joined by two guests that I'm very excited about. I'm gonna introduce Matt. Hi Pete. That you've you've heard him before. Um, I'm welcoming back Damien. Um for the f- uh, you know, I think this might be your second or third podcast now.
2: Third, yeah. Hey guys.
1: It's your third podcast. Damien is percussionist for the Jonas brothers. Uh, but he's not here to talk about music today. <laughs> uh he's here to talk about the music on the pitch.
2: That's right. That is correct. Lovely today.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on, Damien. So I'm gonna let you um I'm gonna let you open proceedings today. Uh, give us the hottest of takes on the Leeds United game.
2: Well, what can I say? First of all, as always, thank you for letting me be a part of this amazing uh, pod. And to be with Matt is also really cool because I've listened to you guys for a long time. So I get to interact with both. Um, Today was one of those matches where I was like, in recent times, I just stare at my phone and I read all the Twitter takes because I'm not too engaged with the players or for whatever reason. Or we all know the reasons why. But today I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to put the phone away and I'm actually going to watch this. I know I was going to be on the pod. I want to make sure that I enjoy it. And I really, really liked it. Uh, I, I felt very optimistic before the match. And I really like the interchanging of um, Emil Smith-Rowe and Odegaard. I, thought, I think that there's something special there. I saw them sort of weave in and out of each other's position here and there. I love Saka coming in the middle. Um, so I just loved it. I love the youth. I love that whole um, generation coming along. And I, I just think it it made me forget about Shaka, right, which is like the bane of my existence as an Arsenal fan. I've never liked him. I respect him, of course, to get to that level and wear our shirt, all that stuff of, that goes without saying. But every time he plays, I'm like, oh, oh, my God, you know, and I forgot that he played. This is how exciting it was for me tonight, the the front four. So that's basically it. I'm just excited about, especially those two guys that I mentioned. I, I really like them.
1: Matt, finally, a win that we can talk about and get excited about. Was give us the hottest take.
3: I think my hot take is the same as Damian's, which was the, the, the team came out and you were like, oh, this is interesting with uh, Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Odegaard behind Aubameyang. And I, the best tweet that I read about it was like, this is an Arsenal Wenger team you know he's the he's the guy who would have found a way to accommodate all that creativity because his point of view would be they're too good to not play one of them the way they're playing and the creativity that they bring and figure figure the rest out and um and you know for for 45 minutes the uh it it was it was one of the best halves of the season and it felt like a team that had Arsenal DNA, you know, it was attacking, it was positive, it was young, it was one touch. It, it just, it felt like a, a, a solid, good Arsenal Wenger team when we've just been completely uh, lacking creativity for half half the season so far. So that was the most exciting bit, and 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 then and then the other piece is the, the return to form of Obama Yang I saw that he'd scored five goals up until this moment, so to get another three in one game and when you look back and go he's now got five in his last two home games you know let's just hope that he he's turned the corner
1: yeah uh, uh my my hot take was uh because you two have had two really good hot takes there so i'm gonna have to pivot and find something new but my uh my hot take was like you know i, I was watching the united game Um, before and Harry Maguire came out and he said you know we have five days to prepare so obviously we're disappointed he said five days is a long time this season to you know to have to train and I I I was really interested to see you know how my agenda stacked up because my my thing with Arteta is he's a very good coach and when he's given time with players um, he's able to to come up with interesting things you know we saw it in the cup finals he's uh, been the architect of some some good wins against some big teams, but we haven't really seen something come off yet. And um, Bielsa's a difficult difficult coach to play against. Like you know what you're going to get, but it's it's still difficult to stop. And only a few weeks ago, they beat Leicester three one in pretty convincing fashion. So to see Arsenal come out and choreograph um, like a, a really convincing, well controlled first half in that manner off the back of two defeats, um, knowing that this team is more than capable of going 10 games without a win, I thought it was really, um, it, you know, it, it left me feeling really optimistic. Sure, the second half um, wasn't that good. But I, I think that the, the thing with the second half is you have to remember we are Arsenal fans. We didn't look at that second half through the lens of uh, a normal football fan. We looked at that second half through the lens of Newcastle, 4-4 <laughs> check Tioze scoring from 35 yards out. And d- like no Arsenal fan can tell me that they looked at that second half rationally. Like I'm I'm quite looking forward to going back to seeing it. Was the second half actually that bad? Because the 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 key thing that came out, you know, Arsenal fans are like, you know, does Arteta learn from these mistakes? Look, uh, Leeds are one of the most productive teams in the Premier League. Um, they had nine attempts at goal, five on target, one big chance. Arsenal had 13 attempts five on target, hit the woodwork twice. Like That was a positive game from a defensive perspective, largely, and a positive game from an attacking perspective. So this big concern that we had is, like, can Arteta find a balance? It feels like the last three games, ignoring the results of Wolves and Villa, it seems to be a, a balance emerging, and it's quite exciting.
3: Well, do you think... Um, did, did, didn't Arteta give him the week off this week?
1: Uh... I don't think he gave him the full week off, right? He, there were a few, there were a few snow days where they couldn't right. do anything.
3: I heard he gave him. I thought he gave him the, the, maybe the week off. Um, but I thought that was interesting because it was almost like a bit of an about turn in his usual like high intensity. Let's go and watch like twenty five videos this week and really study the team, and maybe a bit more of an acknowledgement that the team may have been down after the last couple of games. They needed a bit of a mental break and and a bit of. A, one of the things that we don't normally associate with Arteta is necessarily good, like maybe maybe good emotional management. <laughs> he can seem like a bit of a hard ass all the time. Um, so I thought it was interesting he gave them a bit of time off before this, and then to see them come out with a with with a with a sort of a fresh 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 perspective.
1: Yeah, and um, I want to I want to sort of go through the side because it, it felt like a well coached before. Performance, whatever the plan was, however he distributed that plan, every everybody felt like they knew their role out on the pitch yesterday. And to Damien's point about Granite Shaka, the fact that you didn't notice him uh, in a game like today spoke the world to me because Granite Shaka is not built for Leeds. If there is any team in the world he is not built for, more than Leeds, I don't know who he is. um, Like high intensity. Um, like you know he's not very good he's not very press resistant at times but you really didn't notice him today in the best of ways so i wanted to sort of um like go through the side and talk about the things that we liked and um like we've got to start we've got to start with Bakayo Saka um because it, it, he he bullied Leeds at times in the first half there was um there was a moment when he sort of just walked into their penalty area and it was like he was inviting a bad foul um like are we are we starting to move into world-class territory with uh (laughs) bakaya or 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 are we taking that too far is that too early damien
2: i mean again this is coming from a venezuelan musician living in la and i don't have any you know stake at this or for the national team but when i see saka i'm like is he as good as Jack Grealish and Mason Mount and all these other dudes. And I think he's pretty damn good. I'm just very biased and I'm going to love him and think he has as much potential, if not more than any of these guys. I I'm not prepared to say world-class just yet. I don't even think he's the best player at Arsenal, um, but definitely my favorite player and and definitely a kid that I I think has not only a, a, f- a full potential ahead of him, but his present his current form is just outstanding, but I'm just not prepared to call him world class just yet.
1: Matt, as a as a as a hardcore Englishman that bleeds red and white, that's probably <laughs> gone to a England away games at some point, been on tour with the lads. Is Bukayo Saka world class? Is Damien talking trash? Uh, well, trash, first of,
3: first, of all, first of all, let me say that I and, and I'll probably get panned for this, but I don't give a shit about the England national team, and I I, I haven't for. Twenty odd years. I think they're a complete waste of space, uh, and I just and I know that sounds terrible, um, and people will probably pan me for it. But I just find it too hard to go from hating Harry Kane to suddenly cheering him on in the summer tournament. Right. Right. It's just too much for me. Like, like if you would I rather England won the World Cup or Arsenal won the League Cup. I'd rather Arsenal won the League Cup. Uh, it's just, it's just, so I should just put that out there. From it's from for the championship
1: show. fans. England, yeah. England is for championship fans. You go, you go just, to an England game, and it's that's what it is. <laughs> do I do
3: I love the idea of England winning the World Cup and Smith Rowan Saka playing starring roles? Obviously, but there has to be like the coming together on those two things. So I think I actually got a message from um, a really great friend of mine who's a Chelsea fan. He was, you know, taking a front from. Uh, I think it's Matt Scott saying that, you know, Emil Smith, Rowe and Saka are generational talents. And I think, you know, we live in a world that's full of hyperbole and everyone's either the worst or the best. And it's like, do, are, are they generational talents? Um, well, not yet. Uh, could they become so? Maybe. Uh, they've certainly got everything, it seems, to maybe get there in three, four, five, six years' time. Um so, no, they're not world-class at the moment. And the reason, you know, I think, you know, how can you be world-class after you play 10 games in Smith, Rose, K Saka? World-class isn't five Premier League goals this season. World-class is 17 Premier League goals this season so far, or 15. So, they're not world-class, but uh, what's, what's really encouraging is the rate with which they're improving, that ability to combine, like, Huge amounts of skill, and but also huge amounts of graft, and you know they've got they've got something about them. Um, I thought, and I know this was about Saka, not Smith Rowe, but the assist from Smith Rowe for Bammy Yang had a bit of everything, and that it had like he fought for the ball, sort of shove someone over, an incredible piece of skill to get the ball onto his foot, <laughs> a little bit of maybe luck, to, <laughs> but yeah. or just a, a brilliant, a, a brilliant pass slash bit of luck. Um, but so they've got all the stuff in their locker. But you know, I sort of go, and I think that was a great comparison. It's like, are they better than Jack Grealish? Not at the moment. Jack Grealish is great. I think. I think. He's, I think he's he's, he's. he's. If anything, you know, the same same level as Saka. If not slightly better than Saka, he's been around for longer. Um, I think versus someone like Mason Mount. I think they're accelerating past Mason Mount. I don't think Mason Mount has been necessarily given the same chances he hasn't been given the same run and 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 sort of uh and maybe just I think they're developing faster than him right now and that's the exciting bit they're developing really really quickly um but we'll have to see it's like Jack Wilshere was he world-class seemed like he was on the course to be but then he got overplayed and never recovered so I think we have to try and get out of this we've got the best player in the world they're generational they're this and just try and get back to A sense of normality which is if this was the invincibles team they'd be like coming on as the old sub and cameo you know it's it's just a sign of how how far we have fallen they are so head and shoulders better than everyone else but that's not to say i'm not excited i am
1: god you you both poured a bucket of ice on my dreams (laughs) outrageous
2: Outrageous. I feel sad. I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Saka's shit. Um, no, no, he's, he's, great. He's, great. Shit. he's great. What I'm saying, like to, to Matt's point, point, it's and, and what you were also sp- uh, going back to maybe the definition of world-class, like are teams scared shitless to play against Saka, right? That's one of how, how I sort of also see what a world-class talent is. Like if we played against Juve and Ronaldo's going to play, I'm like, holy shit, I'm scared. Or, Am I? Who am I scared of? And I don't know if Saka yet, because he's so young, has that. And to borrow Arsene Wenger's one of Arsene Wenger's phrases, we have to take chronological distance, right, and see Saka three, four, five years, like Matt said, and see what he's going to, you know, develop at. But I don't see him the way that I saw Messi when I first saw him play, for example. Yeah,
3: Uh, I love, I love that. I think there. Do you remember those players that when you get it, it doesn't happen very often, but it's the teams that. When you get a free when they get a free kick and that player stands over the ball, even before, the, even just as soon as the free kick is conceded, you're like, oh yeah, no, yeah. oh my god, yeah, because it's like you know, it's like Ronaldo, Zola, like those those players who have just been there and done it, and consistently have those ratios in terms of the way that they take chances and and players like that. So that's 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 where that's where we've got to get get them to. But there was something. It was sort of Henri esque in the way that Saka didn't get the pen with BAR, but rather than be like, Oh no, I didn't get the pen, it was just like, Fine, I'll win another pen, right? You know, right. five minutes later, and that was that was Henri esque in the way that Henri would would would, would take umbrage at decisions and then just go and you know, smash it down people's throats five minutes later, yeah. which is what world class players do.
1: I, I, when, um When he didn't get that penalty, and you know, important as well that we talk about that penalty at some point because that was a that felt like a bad decision to me. But uh, I felt victimized at that moment. I was like, this is it's not going to be one of our days this is terrible. It's a conspiracy of referees against us. And I, when I was feeling those emotions, I was really hoping that Arsenal weren't going to feel them as well, because we do have a tendency as a, as a, as a club to feel sorry for ourselves. And especially in that particular moment, if we had for, if, if it could have gone off the rails. Um, but, Back to you know, back to Saka and his, his ability, uh, and you know, surrounded by those those front three players, we're starting to get to the point now where it feels it's starting to look like a project youth operation. You know, like there's a there's a box of talent, and sometimes you shake it and something magical happens, and everything comes off and it looks exciting. And obviously, there are going to be bad days. But Jack Reddish is what twenty six years old. You know, looks young, but he is 26 years old and he's only just started to come into, into prominence now. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say Jack Grealish could easily play for a club like Madrid and look exciting. You know, if he had a sexier name people would be making those sorts of links. Like he's going right to the top. But I I think for, like, you know, back to Matt Scott's tweet earlier, he tweeted, Smith Rowe has 0.53 assists per Premier League game in a team that before his introduction had scored 12 goals in 14 games. He has an 86.6% pass completion rate, phenomenal for a number 10, makes two tackles or interceptions per game. Again, massive numbers in this position. It's like, even if they're not world-class at the moment, the difference between Arsenal pre-Christmas and where we are now because of that sort of telepathic partnership that they're developing, it's just so exciting. And maybe that's why we exaggerate because, you know, to Eddie Murphy's joke, we've been walking around in the desert and now there's a cracker and the, 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 the cracker is Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, and Saka. And we're all excited because we've had no joy. Like, the, like even, even when we went on a run last year, under um, under Mikel Arteta, it never really felt like exciting or interesting. It felt exciting because it was solid, and we were like, "Wow, we're you know, people can't run through us anymore." But it hasn't felt like there's any sort of football emerging. But now it does start to feel a little bit like some of the later Wenger youthful teams, exciting um, exciting football combined with some of that resoluteness, which went in the second half. But um, okay, so we'll agree that they're not world class yet, but it could go there it could not many teenagers and 20 year olds make it in the premier league and those two feel like they're they're on the path
2: yeah i mean you you mentioned a good point about their their age compared to jack grealish like asked to your point about uh, saka forgetting that he was there right and how that speaks volumes i think when you forget about their age saka and smith rose age and you don't care about their age i think that's a huge positive sign and of course we got to be careful with her overplaying them and 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 so on and so forth but you know when i see them i do see like rooney when he came on for everton and scored that insane goal there's something special about them without a doubt so to 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 not pour water over your dream i do agree i think they're very special and i I haven't been more excited about arsenal since basically today and seeing that front four uh, in the past two or three years
1: so uh, let's let's just let's just talk about it it's not the most exciting conversation topic but it does need to be said Danny Ceballos and Granit Jacker are not the most mobile of midfielders and I think everybody was a little bit worried going into the game today that we were gonna be um, that they were gonna be targeted but Ceballos and Granit Jacker today did a f- I thought they did a phenomenal job for most of the game, like their positioning on and off the ball was good. um their passing was crisp. Granite Jacker got an actual assist. Granite Jacker found himself through on goal at one point. I mean he fell over, but it's, it's, it's besides the point um Matt what what do you think changed today? why How, how can Granite Jacker and Danny Sabayo survive against Leeds? How can they look normal?
3: I think it was just a game that went for us in the first minute and they just couldn't really cope with us offensively. Um, I'm sort of wary of reading too much into Xhaka and Ceballos because we sort of know what they both are, which is um, most of the time they're all right. Uh, It's just the moments when they're not all right that that are the problem. Ceballos, I think, is... I was having a bit of a disagreement with a friend of mine on WhatsApp during the game because... I personally think we should just give Sabas back to Real Madrid. Um, I think the idea of spending twenty two million on him is crazy. Um, when he's just been unable to string more than like a good perform two, two he hasn't been able to string two good performances together um all season. But he did well. He did he did he did pretty well today um in party's absence. And then Shaka, you know, it's like he's just one of those players who he's been a bit of a lightning rod for fans It's sort of a bit unfair. In, in my opinion, he's, he's, he shouldn't necessarily be a starter, but he's a, he's a pretty solid player, but you know, and I, and, and this is one of the things I sense from you, Pete, which is like it's Leeds and it's Bielsa and it's hard to play against. It's also Leeds, you know, they were in the championship last year. They're not that great. Um, they're a, uh, so they're they're not a team that we want to be anywhere Nick, comparing ourselves to. They're a mid-table team at best, and I think that's the level of Xhaka and Ceballos. So against them, it all it all came came to plan. Sorry if that's uh, damning, but they're not that great. You know, look at look at the look at the players on that team sheet. If we can't if Xhaka and Ceballos, Real Madrid, and thirty five million dollars, our captain is you know it, it's their level.
1: Damian, uh, I, I'm 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 sh- I'm shocked. I'm shocked. That- Matt again. I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Leeds United like comfortably beat Leicester a few weeks ago. Look, and don't don't pretend to me that either of you two on this call went into today's game and you're like, you know what, Leeds are a fucking shit mid table team. Everybody oh no no, no no no, no, no Everyone no. was like, this is this is a this this is a worry because if, no. if we lose this, which we easily could. You know, they're going to come, they're going to rattle us, they're going to shoot from like on site. Um, and we controlled it, and I know that Leeds um, are up and down, but they're they're more than capable of e- either losing six two like they did to United, or 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 turning you over, like especially against the big team. So I, I, you know, I don't want to underestimate the performance today, especially off the back of the last two games.
2: <laughs> I agree. I, I I mean, I think Matt brings a a very interesting point about them quote unquote being just <sighs> Leeds, whatever that means. The same way that people can say it, it's just Arsenal because we are mid-table, we're 11th or something like that. So I understand his point, I respect it, and I do agree more with, with you, Pete. I mean, I do see leads, because I see Bielsa, and I see how amazing he is, and the reality is that whether we all agree or not, if we all see it or we don't see it, there is this aura that is something magical, that's special, that people buy into, and the players buy into. And I I was very shocked when when I saw Shaka. Uh, play the way that he played. And again, I mean, full disclosure, I know that he is a top professional. I have nothing against the guy as a person. He's achieved the dream, which is playing for Arsenal and all that other stuff. Of course, he deserves to be there. Same with William and any other player. And we can get to that later. But there is something about this aura of leads that I with you, I agree with you. I didn't think that it would be his best match both figuratively and literally and i was so surprised and i i do think that Leeds played really well i i I didn't think that uh that we we played them on an off day i think it was one of their normal days but we didn't allow them to get to that gear and then we played at a higher tempo and and were able to to score those early goals and it was great
1: so yeah i i I think that I thought I thought it was a good result. I thought um, I, I don't want to read too much into Granite um playing well, and I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to give Edu any ideas that all of a sudden Granite Xhaka <laughs> gets a, a little seven a little seven year deal. But um, some some uh, 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 like let's talk about a big performance and one that we've been waiting for. Um, Obama Yang, his first hat trick for Arsenal was that correct in the Premier League? Yeah yeah like i um, uh, unbelievable but um I, I think that we're all a little bit worried about uh he's had some family problems he hasn't looked mentally sharp um all year. It's almost like there's some sort of um like pressure was relieved when he got that that deal and he's taken his foot off the gas and he certainly didn't look good when he came on um against villa but we 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 kind of it looked like we got given the keys to what it's going to take to keep Obama relevant for the next two and a half years today. So we surrounded him with runners and technical technical players who can create. Um I, I don't want to say it was like we turned him into a fox in the box, but they we we gave him something he hasn't had for a while. Um like Matt, what do you what did you think of the Obama performance and does it speak to where we're where we're heading as a as a club?
3: It was a great performance. Um, It was just, it was Yang of old. It was basically the bottom line, wasn't it? Which was, you know, didn't dominate the game, but just snaffled up his chances. And there was a confidence to the way he did it that was immensely gratifying. So look, it's great to have him back and we've got him, I think he's a great guy. We've always loved him, you know, and it, things went a bit south this season. It hasn't been great since you know the very beginning of the season. I mean, I don't know what was the cause of that. I mean, increasingly it looks like it may have been off-field stuff. I sort of hope it was off-field stuff in a way because it would mean that <laughs> once that's sorted, we can get the old Aubameyang old back rather than just a a, a slump in form that he's never really had in his career. Um, but he looks he looks fit and it could be that it could be the fact that we've just got better players creating chances around him. Like who wouldn't want to be a striker with Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Saka, you know, all, 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 all creating chances, but it feels like a really mobile system. That's a sort of purpose built for someone like him. And I thought he, he was, he was fantastic and just looked like a complete striker up there. So it's good, good to have him back. And, um, and I think every the fans have come out of a lot of it with a lot of credit. I think he's come out of it with a lot of credit. You know, it's What do you, it, what do
1: you mean what do you mean by the fans?
3: I just think we we it's really Arsenal fans are notoriously fickle and we always get on people's backs really quickly and it was sort True. of disappointing how quickly we got on Obama Young's back after literally what was it? I mean if this was ten bad games, <laughs> not, not even bad games, just ten games without really hitting his heights, and suddenly we're all saying giving him a contract was the worst thing we could have ever done. Um, look, that's, that's just that's just football. But I think in a way, the his mum's illness sort of helped him a little bit. Not that anyone should ever want their mum to be sick, but just getting away for a bit, um, taking out the firing line. I think everyone gave him he felt a lot of love from people around the club from people at the club i think the sense that nothing is more important than your family i think that i think he came away feeling a sort of a renewed sense of loyalty with arsenal um and he's come back and is repaying it
1: damien what do you think is um what do you think the the secret formula was do you think it's uh do you think he's just been carrying a a burden or do you think that it was a system thing or something else
2: I think I think it's a combination of, of a couple of things. Matt said it perfectly. Um, I do think, if I can be slightly cynical, if that's the right word, but we can't forget we're going through a pandemic and people experience things differently, always in a normal world. But during these times, people are dealing with a lot of stuff that we cannot comprehend. So if we can't, comprehend what really truly goes in the mind body and soul of an elite professional if we don't know them personally i'm thankful to know a few and their lifestyle is insane the 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 arsenal the uh, arsenal women players that i know that are friends of mine their work ethic is something beyond anything i can put into words and they deal with personal stuff and the pandemic shit is horrific for a lot of people. I'm a musician. It has changed so much of my identity and it has affected me so much and I don't need to worry about winning or losing. So I do have sympathy for players, especially a player in my team that's the captain of my club who has been a stud for so long. I do feel some sympathy and I'm willing to give him... The benefit of the doubt or if that's the right term for for his performances. And I do think that as a coach and as a club, you need to do everything you can to lift up their spirits. Even if they're grown ass men, you need to do everything you can. And that stems from a macro level, as far as the club and support. If they need to go see his mom, And also micro in the sense of having him in a right system where he's going to play. If if we go over the sort of total football triangle type of situation, you not only need to have players that are able with a ball, but you need to trust them fully. So maybe there's a personal thing going on with some players wearing as supportive to his pandemic blues, so to speak. And some are, and they might fit better. Maybe Shakoff plays better when he has Smith Rowe in front of him because he trusts him more than he trusts another player. Oh, there's the million drama, dramatic things that could happen on a, in, in a club. But I think it's a, a combination of the system itself, the the energizing talent in in a player that's so professional. Knows that he needs to step up; otherwise, Martinelli is going to get his gig, and other players are going to get his gig. So that is the true professional in him coming up. And um, I-, I think he did fantastically well today, and 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 we know what he's capable of.
1: Yeah, Damien, I think it's such an interesting point as well. It's like you know, everybody wants to, everybody loves to retweet the you know the mental health stuff for fans and, you know, rightfully so. Everybody's very, very aware of suicide rates among, um, you know, young men and and older men. And, you know, we're all quite... We're moving forward and progressing that, you know, look out for each other. We don't do it with football players, though, at all. Yeah. And I don't don't care... what banners they have or what they write in the program. Footballers and mental health, um, we don't, we don't consider the impact. We don't consider what's going on. It's either a great performance or it's a shit performance and they don't care about the club. And I'm just as guilty about this. I I only look at um, performance through one prism. I don't know how you, I don't know how you change that, but I, I do think Matt's earlier point, like the fans knew something was going on and they were given the, the the right information and that sort of framed how we dealt with it right the back of it you know we'll still whinge about um a bad performance but there was definitely a bit more forgiveness in the system um for obamying i also think part of that comes from him having a history you know it's not it's not normal for him not to be scoring goals and you right. kind of like, yeah yeah it doesn't matter how often uh, like it doesn't matter how, how his body fails him over the next three years, as age catches up, he'll always be able to score goals. So when he's not scoring goals, you know something's not quite there. So it was um it was great to see him um great to see him get three goals today. And but uh, the more exciting thing is like I like the solution moving forwards. Like Lacazette brings those um, technical players into the game, but he doesn't really score goals. And then Obameyang um, becomes the focus point for those creators. And then they do all the running around him. But actually, I mean, in fairness, like he drifted out and he came back in. Yeah. Um, he caused all sorts of problems with his off the ball um, work today, which was, um, which was exciting. So do we, do we think that this is the tipping point?
3: I think his confidence just seems so much there. you know, like the step overs for the first goal. Was, yeah. You know, he's been drifting through games, you know, it's like that was a different type of body language uh, that we saw from him today and that we saw in the last game as well so and then you, that shot that hit the bar that could have been four i mean you don't take those shots on first time if you're lacking in confidence
1: yeah and uh, uh, when the game when the game opened today and um uh, bellerin skied that shot early doors i was like is this going to be yeah. another game when no one can <laughs> hit the target again <laughs> uh, okay let's move on to uh, let's let's move on to the next topic martin Odegaard. I mean, imagine getting your first start against Leeds of all teams. You know, if you're being accused of uh, by Zinedine Zidane of not doing your your bit for the defensive structure of the team, Leeds sure is a, a baptism of fire. Like, how, how do we, Damien, how, how do you think he fared?
2: I love the player. I think he was outstanding. There's something about it, it, the guy, like, oozes class. And I think players that have something to prove, uh, obviously – are great. And we can discuss why he has something to prove and why that's a motivation the same way that when the fans aren't there, some players excel. Some players don't excel when the fans are there. I think he fits really well with the team and I see him as, like I was saying with Smith Rowe, this interchangeable thing that they have just hungry players that are are not selfish. And that's what I want in my team. Players that are open to playing in different positions or doing what, it, what what they're called to do and doing it well and, and committing and, and, and having an intention behind it. Um, and he fits everything for me. I think he has he's the right, right size. He's two-footed from what I can see, and and I just love his positioning. I love that he goes in for a tackle, and he might want to play in the number 10 role, and he's not doing it, so he doesn't care. He just still does what he needs to do. I know it's only been like four or five games, but I really like him. I rate him very, very highly.
1: Matt, how did you think his uh, his first full performance went?
2: Yeah, I thought it was great.
1: Um, I think
3: just instinctively, just feels like comfortable on the ball. He passes the ball and then he keeps on running. He feels very much in the mold of like the Smith Rowe Saka. Like he feels like the the new ethos of the team is something that he he fits in with, which is great. Um, he's the right profile. I mean, my biggest fear is that. He does well, and then we have to give him back to Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's hard, but he is, and without bringing it up too early, but he's everything that, like a Willianism, and uh, he, he quickens the tempo rather than slows it down.
1: Yeah, he's... Um... He's just the exact player that we needed in that position. He's not a big, you know, like if we'd signed Isco, everything would he'd be the focal point. Yeah, we didn't try and sign an older player who was the solve. We added, um, we added a jigsaw piece. We added someone that was going to complement. And I, I I like his flexibility as well. You know, he'll pop up on the left, he'll pop up on the right, and Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Odegaard together. They're really difficult to mark because you just don't know where they're going to appear. And right. what I like about Odegaard, that I like about Smith-Rowe, and I think Saka said it in the week, it's like, uh, he goes hunting. He goes hunting for the ball and looking for the opportunities. It's not like, you know, sometimes like Nicolas Pepe was kind of guilty of it like if things weren't going exactly to his specifications, he's completely missing. but now we've got three players with um the the, the sort of the, the football intelligence that we need um in, in a game that if 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 things aren't going to plan they can chop and change and they can be moved into different positions to really get the max out of it so i was um I was really impressed. It was it was a little bit muted, but I feel like he's feeling his way into it. You know, I think he wanted to come out of it without making a big mistake, right?
3: And also, I think, um, I mean, he could 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 potentially save us a lot of money versus, uh, you know, what who was it, Hussein AOR that we were going to be uh, or AOR that we were going to be get, going for for big money in the summer. I mean, it seems like we may have dodged a bullet on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah he's um i mean and what was it 55 million for bwendea yeah. uh 45 million for hosemoa um yeah I'm, I'm i'm happy and i think he's only got 2 years left on his deal at madrid and i think the the hope the hope from the people at arsenal is that he likes it at arsenal this season and we get him for the full year next year by then hopefully there'll be more fans in the stadium and then money will start coming back and and we'll be able to go and sign someone on a more permanent basis but if he likes it, and then there's a year left to go on his deal, he's not a £60 million player. Yeah. He's, a, he's a £30 million player. I guess the worry is that you don't want someone like City, Spurs, coming with a big fat checkbook. It's not,
3: going to, be, it's not <laughs> going to be Spurs, is it? It's,
1: uh, no, it's not yeah. going to be Spurs, let's be honest.
3: Um, I think uh, one of the most interesting things, and we, we've got to talk about the elephant in the room, is the Willian thing. Um, because... I think the best tweet that I saw on that is from Arsenal blog that said he's basically
1: kryptonite for Arsenal,
3: <laughs> and he's, the game changed at that point, didn't it?
1: He's kryptonite for he's kryptonite for any sort of game, but he's also um, you know he's he's Arteta's crack cocaine, isn't it? He? he just cannot he cannot put down the Willian. It's like he's <laughs> and I, what what I, what fascinated me to today is. You've got Nicolas Pepe, who has had like a really, really good run of games. I mean, I know that he's not, he's not complete at the moment, but um, I, I think that he's put in a lot of effort. He's got a lot of energy. He's st- starting to find his mojo a little bit. So he could have done with those 30 minutes. Martinelli had a stinker in the last run out. And now it's starting to look like it's okay for Willian to have bad game after bad game after bad game. But Martinelli, you have one bad game, you're out for six. And it's like this weird sort of thing that Arteta has where young players are punished really harshly for one bad performance, but senior players who he's invested a lot of money in, they'll just keep on getting run-outs. But uh, th- the question that I have for you, Damian, on this one, did Willian, did, Will- did Willian come on, change the game, or was the game already heading in that direction where Leeds were going to have a bit of joy for 20, 30 minutes?
2: I, I think the game was going to head in that direction anyway. Uh, I don't blame him for the two goals, obviously he had nothing to do with them. Uh, I think maybe the team spirit might f- go down or whatever more the fans, but uh, I don't really I don't really have a strong position. I I thought he was stellar at Chelsea. I thought he was when he played at Chelsea. I loved watching him play. I thought he was outstanding. And I was actually hopeful that he would do stuff positive things for Arsenal when he came in. I still believe that he might. Uh, The same Arteta that has faith in him is the same Arteta that has faith in Odegaard and Smith-Rowe and Saka. So I I don't think... I'm not saying anybody should agree with me, but I can't have it both ways. It's either Arteta knows what he's doing or he doesn't know what he's doing, with including Saka, with including Willian or whatever. And I do feel that I would have liked Pepe who we've spent so much money on and we've finally getting a tune out of the guy consistently, the logic says, well, he should have played, but maybe he doesn't defend the way that, I don't know, William in theory, Arteta thinks can defend and maybe we would have tied the game and maybe he would have made mistakes. I don't know. I, 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 I defer to Arteta more than, than William's worth or my opinion on the player. Um, because it's one of those things that it is what it is. It happened. He came on. We didn't lose the match. Next, you know. Yeah. Matt,
1: do I mean, we, just, we just got Pavlov's dog's association with William that when he comes on, things go badly and it's maybe a bit unfair. What do you
3: think? I'm trying, I'm trying to stop myself from that, but I don't know if you've been following the news after the game, but it's looking increasingly like David Louise is going to be offered a new contract. That's sort of the noises coming out of the club. And... It's just like the two things that are bothering me the most is why are we giving minutes to Willian and not Martinelli? Why are we not giving minutes to Saliba and not David Luiz? You know, like we have to take a more forward-looking perspective. We're 10th in the league, 10th. We're not pushing for anything. I mean, we're, we're, we're just lost. Like trying to, trying to find a young team for the next generation. So why... We continue to waste uh efforts on players that are getting worse every day rather than have the potential to get better every day is something that is driving me absolutely crazy. That's 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 more the case. For it. it's, it's not even anything against either of those two. And Luis is a much better player in, than than William in terms of what he can bring to the team. But it's it's just frustration that you can just like the only way that where we are in the league is forgivable is when you think about it as a journey towards some to, towards improvement. But when you're in, including players who can't get any better, they're only getting worse. It, it begins to not make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I don't. Um, it's, it's 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 super. Like I'm I'm just looking at that <laughs> that story about David Luiz and I'm disgusted. <laughs> I do, and, it, and this is the thing. It's like all it takes is three good games, and Arteta's like busting out the contract for, for David Luis. Because, it's because like, at the end
3: of last year, he was basically banished for being disruptive. And now, this is, this is the thing I don't understand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality is like the, the one person that has the answers, they might be very subjective. So it's like, do we even need him to tell us why he's. Picking whoever he's picking, like it's this the the perils of being a fan. I guess I don't know.
1: Yeah, and no, I I get I, if if it was like a look next year you're going to take fifty grand a week, which we we're not going to play you all the time, so you can't get upset about it. We just we, but we want to develop you into a coach. Then I okay, all right, that makes sense. But giving him another a year's deal, you know, he it, it does he it does just as much good as he does bad. um He's inconsistent. He wasn't good enough for Chelsea. And that's a, you know, he'll it, it, probably be on 160 grand a week again.
2: I'm going to say something that for every, you know, for the little credibility that I had now, it's going to be gone. I think that he should play in Shaka's place. Uh, I think we should get another center half and just have, if we need somebody, I'd rather have Luis than That I know it's crazy. That's just me. Maybe because I'm Latino and I want to have my South American brother out on the pitch <laughs> uh, as a number five and evolve his his game. Um, but maybe there's something about that um, that I don't know. I'm just trying to make this as good a news I, as possible, but I, I can't. I, really I can't. think
1: that if if uh, you know if Arteta gives David Luiz another year deal, I think that it will just show that he didn't learn anything again and it it feels like everything that he it feels like a lot of things that he tries to push towards is about how he gets more 30 plus players in his in his starting 11 and like the the william decision today it it shouldn't be a conversation topic we're winning 4-1 you've got gabriel who the fans love you've got pepe who like you know the performances don't really merit it but most fans love him and at least he's like what twenty-six years old. There is a there are upside to him. And he plays William over and over and over again. And it's like Edu should be in there. I know that Edu is part responsible for Luis and William, but Edu should be in there and say, no, this is this is not what we're working towards. We're not gonna finish top four this season um so stop playing him i want to uh, let's get some minutes into martinelli let's let's get his fitness up so that he's there for the big games and we we pick his confidence up and we don't look like we're just punishing uh junior players for making junior mistakes when senior players seem to get away from it so it's um i hope that the the independence not exactly a reliable source when it comes to that and you've also got to remember uh a lot of these stories are to put pressure on arsenal you remember the, uh, just before the Manchester City game, uh, Kia went out of his way to put pressure on the club and, and then we caved. So I think that these stories are to, Im- inf- like, to push the press into asking Arteta the question in the press conference. Because remember uh, you know, Mustafi was getting a new deal that didn't happen. Two weeks ago, they were asking about Lacazette getting a new deal. I'm hoping that all of these conversations await until the end of the season. And this year, instead of giving those deals, he says, sorry, fuck off. Time to go. Especially, it wasn't the story at Christmas that William and David Luiz were trying to get Arteta ousted. It's like, don't don't be a cuck, Mikel. Get <laughs> him out. Be ruthless. <laughs> um, so, the... Uh, overall um, a good performance a good win we're now heading to the Benfica game followed by a, a host of games like uh, as we see out the podcast like how, how are we feeling about the next batch of games do we think that this is the the start of a run or do we think this is going to be a choppy a choppy run into the end of the season what do you think Damien
2: uh well to be completely honest I don't really know uh, maybe only Vertongen on Benfica. I don't know any single player. I haven't really followed, uh, the Europa League or other teams from the Europa League this, this, this season. But in theory, you know, I, I hope that we'll have a, a good run out and I'm confident in just in general. And yeah, I, I mean, for the next few matches, I do hope that is, is, uh, is a start of a run. And I think, um, from last time I, I checked the calendar, uh, Today's match was the one that I was mostly worried about. Um, so I, I'm, I'm actually very optimistic, especially if they play the same, you know, basically the same top four uh, that we played today.
1: Matt, what do you think? Are we, are we on the cusp of something great again? I think, we've got, I
3: think we've got a bad run of games. Um, just, just, it's just bad luck. But I think there's Benfica games. I mean, forget about Benfica. Just think about the travel. I think one of them's in uh, Rome. And and the other one's in in Greece or something. Um, So insane uh, how far we're going to have to travel for the Benfica games. And then then we've got the worst team we could possibly play, considering we're travelling all the way back from Rome on a Thursday night. So we're not going to sleep on Thursday night. And then on Sunday, we've got City, who are the most informed team in the league and who... I can't see us getting anything out of that game, especially having played on the Thursday and especially having to fly back from, you know, from from Italy. So that's a terrible, terrible game for us. And I can't see us getting any points from the City game, Just, just realistically. I mean, they're beating everyone. They can see their path to the league title now, in my opinion, because Liverpool are so far behind. And I don't think they're that worried about United or... Or, and then it's it, and then the other team. They're probably the close. The person they probably would be most worried about is Leicester. And Leicester is also one of our next games coming up. He beat Liverpool yesterday, three one. So so we've got like a, a really really difficult run. And then we've got Spurs, which is just Spurs. It's always just hard. Doesn't matter form book goes out the window. So we've just got a really difficult run of games. And I think we talked about it. And it was a, probably one of the most depressing podcasts on record, which is. <laughs> It's easy to be despondent, but we have to look at it as an opportunity and go, if we can beat, <laughs> frankly, any of those three teams in the league, City, Leicester or Spurs, it will feel like progress. So we've just got to try and win one of them. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, that's the goal, right? Um, beat one of those teams. Um, Spurs means that everything is always forgiven. Leicester, because they're the second best team in the league right now, City, but all of them it's going to be very hard to win. Any of them,
1: I'm I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic. I mean, obviously Manchester City feels like a total write off, but I think uh, Benfica finished second in their group to Rangers.
3: I think we'll, um, I think, I think we'll beat Benfica, and I think, and I think this season we're we're getting to the point where it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like Emery, and that it. it Everything is going to become, everything's going to begin to look very, very focused around the Europa League within the next, I think in the next three to four weeks, everything will then be geared towards resting players to give it all in the Europa because I think we'll drop point. We're not going to get nine out of nine from Leicester, Spurs and City, which means we're, we're like 13th, 14th in the league because all the teams around us, the teams lower than us, have all got games in hand. So so we're going to be in that sort of spot. But so it's, it's really just going to be, could we get into the Champions League with Europa? That's, that's going to be the big focus.
1: But it, it, look, Manchester City, right off. Yep. Leicester, I do not think Leicester is a write off by any stretch of the imagination. I think, I think we can beat Leicester. I think we can beat Burnley. Mm. I definitely, definitely think we can beat Spurs because they, 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 they look completely dejected at the moment. They can't create anything. And Imagine um,
2: beating Spurs and Mourinho gets the sack. Bro, oh, I know that would be, I, that would be just, wonderful oh my god imagine
1: imagine
3: beating, beating further Mourinho staying I mean that could be even
1: better
2: <laughs> yeah well apparently,
1: apparently they're going to give it's him another year That's a good, point. Um, is, a good point but then we've got then we've got West Ham who are giant killers this season and then we've got Liverpool I mean it really is a shitty run but there, there's uh, Arteta's Got a, like if he wants to be uh, a great Arsenal manager, these this is the the unexpected run of games. You know, drop points against Wolves and Villa, and then go on a run and beat Spurs, beat Leicester, and you know get a point against Liverpool or City. Then we come out of it, and you'd be like fairly confident. And this I think is... if we get a few wins in that run, we will be in spitting distance with, uh, of the top four. Um, head heading in into uh, you know into April, and this then is... our April run is pretty good.
3: This is why the Willie Louise thing is just drives me crazy because we're actually all on board. You know, we, we, no, we don't. There is no better manager out there for us. You know, we don't want to change again. We don't want. We, we want a settled focus. We like our young players. Uh, we've given up on. We've got very low expectations. We've given up on this season. We don't care. We don't care whether we get Europa. Uh, like I, I personally don't care. I think it'd be better to not be in Europe next year. Um, I know that the finances would say something else, but and that's why it's just so important that he just pushes down this narrative of young players and progress and building the team of the future. Yeah, you know, even getting rid of all the dead wood just felt so great. Like, like, have you ever been? Can you ever remember a time when selling players, giving players away, we didn't sell them, we gave them away, has been has felt so good it just shows we all know what the problems are and just seeing them fixed just makes us feel good so um he's just got to. it's important that he keeps the fans on side and doesn't do anything stupid with with and louise i think
1: what do you think damon
2: i was just trying to uh, remember what calendar i saw that i had completely misread all these teams that we're playing. I had no idea it was as bad. Um, <laughs> You're in shock. It's was, no, you know what? I, admittedly, <laughs> it's because I'm, I'm such a massive Arsenal women's fan. That's the schedule that I saw right before I came out. I didn't even, I have both in, in a, in a tab on, on my, uh, on a pin tab on Safari. Cause I use Safari. Uh, and I saw the wrong one. So yeah, horrible. <laughs> and um, I, but I agree with Pete. I, I do agree with Pete uh, fully. In, in in that that prediction. I think we're going to hopefully go on a good run and I'd rather expect good shit and be disappointed than uh, just expect negative stuff. That's just how I am built and that's how what I need to stay alive and happy.
1: Yeah, fans will tolerate bad results if it is in the name of growth and progress. Fans will not tolerate bad results if it's at the, you know, because Arteta wants to prove that Willian is good. So right. it'd be, uh, it'd be quite interesting as well, whether fan, how fans will look at the Williams substitute on Thursday if Martinelli and Pepe start. And I think the and one, that and one thing make that I hear some all the get lost.
2: Sorry, to interrupt, but I just want uh, I just want to say that, or was going to say that, I hear this a lot on Talk Sport and other places that, like, the player that has benefited the most from the fans not being in the crowd has been Willian because people would have just like eaten him alive. A lot of people think and i i i think there's something something to be said about that like i don't know how any of these players would have you know uh been received by the fans or i i'm, I'm pretty sure we know how they would have rece- been received by the fans but i don't think that arteta's going to do this for much longer or yeah. i don't i hope not
1: let's just hope that he's like it was It, it was like we're with four, with four up. This this game's done. Let's right. just give him a little run out, just to, just to really really be certain. And then, but if, if if he plays Pepe and Martinelli in the week, then I'll be happy with uh, Willian getting a, a sympathy rollout to try and get his confidence up today. But it'd be more Agreed. problematic if Willian starts against Benfica. Then Arteta, Then Arteta starts to get himself in. Like, are you really going to die on this hill? Are you going to die on the Willian right. hill? Because that's right. that. That'd be the worry. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, guys. Well, that was a fun podcast. Um, Damien, it was an absolute pleasure having you on.
2: Thank you, guys. My pleasure.
1: And uh, I I truly respect that you came on with a professional mic. Your voice sounds incredible on this. (laughs) Yes.
2: Thank you. You can add a lot of
1: reverb right now. Uh, Matt, a pleasure as always. We're going to get you a microphone very soon. uh and yeah so if you if you listen to this make sure you share the podcast um with your friends make sure you give it a five-star review on itunes and uh tune in uh on thursday uh where we'll have a fresh on the whistle podcast and hopefully we'll be celebrating a victory against benfica Uh, so on that note thank you damien thank you matt Ciao for now
0: To order today, visit one eight hundred flowers slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers slash tune in. Sports social podcast network.